Morning, Tim. <laughs> well, if you'll allow me, um, I'm probably going to start with some notes. I'm going to read an introduction, and then I'll get away from that. But I just um, I want to get us kind of rolling in the right direction today and just tell you that pretty simply what God's put on my heart today to share is um, the theme of the power of kindness to change our world and to change lives. And that may not sound overly profound, but I assure you that it is. Um, You may or may not agree, or you may or may not be aware that we live in a world today that is full of people who have come to believe that God does not care about them. We live in a world that believe that God has left them, that God is powerless to deal with the circumstances of their life. As a result, people are no longer looking to the church and to Christians in our culture because they believe that we don't care about them as well, that we have left, that we have left them and that we are powerless to help them in their circumstances. Most people in our culture are no longer open to the story of God and Jesus. I don't know if you think that's true or not, but I, I think that's true. At one time, the church had authority in our society, but most people, especially young people, don't seem to much care anymore. Scandals, hypocrisy, abuse has turned most people away from looking to the church or the Bible for truth and meaning. While spirituality is easily embraced, most people in our culture are no longer open to the story of God and Jesus because they are not open to us. If you ask most people if they feel loved and valued by the Christian community, they will say that what they feel mostly is judgment and condemnation. As a result, they are closed off to the good news of Jesus. What a tragedy when the word gospel, which literally means too good of news, is not something that many people in our culture are interested in anymore. Now, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that premise. They say if you buy the premise, you buy the joke, right? And so I think it's very profound to talk about the power of kindness to open people up to the gospel, to change lives, and to change our culture and our environment. That's what I want to talk about today. So, are you with me? Do you buy that premise? Um, We kind of see it every day, news, political system, world. We're a week away from uh, tragic shootings again that remind us that, um, you know, we're kind of messed up. And and the church has kind of not... We're not in the same place where we once were in our culture, but I actually think that kindness might be the key that God wants to use through us to demonstrate God's heart to the world. So I just want to talk about that a little bit, okay? The possibility is that the kindness of God is demonstrated through his people and that it changes hearts and culture. So let me ask you a question. I just want to look at a few verses here to start out. What do you think... The thing is, or maybe another way to say it is, what do you think is the most effective tool or strategy to change people's thinking and behavior? Or when you think about people in the world that don't know 
Jesus, don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, haven't experienced this too good of news on a personal level, what do you think is the best method to go about changing that? Yeah, that's a little rhetorical. You can think about it. Let's look at, uh, let's look at that Romans verse, Seth. And Seth is going to do his best to kind of go along with it. So here's some verses. I'm really most interested this morning in the last verse here, but I thought it's important in context to um, read a little bit what Paul says because it, it sounds one way. We kind of read it one way to start, but then um, uh, let, let's just see what he says. This is Romans chapter 2. Um, Paul is talking to an audience. He's just trying to... Uh, share a revelation of who Jesus is, the bigness of, of, uh, of God and of Christ. And he says, in light of what I've said, therefore, uh, you have no excuse or justification, every one of you who, and this is out of the Amplified Bible, by the way, so it reads a little big. Every one of you who hypocritically judges and condemns others, for in passing judgment on another person, you condemn yourself, because you who judge from a position of arrogance or self-righteousness are habitually practicing the very same things which you denounce. Now, that already sounds like kind of a, a negative word for us this morning. I want this to be, for, for you guys, for us, for me, a word of encouragement and affirmation, not a word of we stink at what we're doing, although it's possible that we stink at what we're doing, right? And we know that the judgment of God falls justly and in accordance with truth on those who practice such things. Go to the next slide. Right? So he's talking about a group of people whose practice is to basically condemn and judge others. And Paul's just saying, look, let's get real. We're in this ourselves. You with me? Right? We're human. But do you think this, O oh man, when you judge and condemn those who practice such things and yet do the same yourself, that you will escape God's judgment and elude his verdict? Or do you not have regard for the wealth of his kindness? I love that phrase, the wealth of his kindness. And his tolerance and his patience in withholding his wrath. Are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance? That is to change our inner self, our old way of thinking, and to seek his purpose for our life. And I love that language out of the Amplified Bible in that last verse, right? So what we want as a church, as the family of God, as one part of the church in Holland, Michigan, is for us to be able to be used by God, be effective in helping people, ourselves and those around us, change inner self in way of thinking and seek his purpose for life. Agreed? Agreed? Um, and it's actually, it's the kindness of God that leads to that, right? Isn't that interesting? Now, I know, if you're like, I, I don't think I'm an overly condemning and judging person, but I will con confess to you that I probably preach this better than I practice it when we talk about kindness, Right? It's kindness that leads to life change. It's actually kindness that opens people up to this too good of news to the gospel, right? So, a very obvious reminder for us. God is kind. John Piper says that it's going to take us all of eternity to just begin to scratch the surface, just to begin to wrap our heads around the kindness of God. 
And that kindness is more than just niceness. Kindness is kind of, maybe it's taken niceness into action, but kindness is very active, right? So Seth, uh, maybe we can jump at a couple of these verses. I'll throw a couple out. It's after the video, but um, if you can find them, great. If not, we'll kind of allude to them. But I was reminding myself of a couple Old Testament passages. So Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 54, 8, and it may or may not come up, depending on how quick Seth is. It's up. Seth, you're awesome. So Isaiah um, says, In an outburst of wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. He's quoting God. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, the Redeemer. That God is full of compassion and everlasting kindness. So kindness is a pretty important word for the prophets. Um, the, the prophets, most of them kind of exhort us to kindness. So a couple Old Testament prophets, uh, Zechariah, good luck, Seth. Um, God links here justice with kindness and compassion. The word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion to each other. So the God of kindness actually implores us to seek justice, but he always links that with kindness. I thought that was really interesting. I was reminded of that this week. Hosea says it this way, Hosea 12.6, Observe and highly regard kindness and justice and wait expectantly for your God continually. Um, you know, If we jump forward into some other New Testament stuff, uh, I think Ephesians 2.7, we may look at that broad, broader. Um, Paul's saying that everything that God did, he did so that in the ages to come he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus by providing our redemption. Which I think is a really interesting phrase. In the middle of Paul's argument, he kind of gives us God's motivation for almost everything he does, right? Paul's just talked about how he's redeemed us, he's saved us, he's rescued us, he's given us life. He says he did all of this for this purpose so that he can actually, in the ages to come, show us the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace and kindness. So we don't quite wrap our heads around what's coming, but it's really good. Like it's really good now, but it's coming really good. And everything God has done, he's done out of the motivation to demonstrate to us the, the wealth of his kindness. And let's do one more, Titus 3. Let's do the Titus verse, Seth. Titus 3, 4. Again, Paul writes, When the goodness and kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared in human form as the man Jesus Christ, that, that God actually took this kindness that is who he is and the depth of that, and he said, I'm going to demonstrate it. Right? He demonstrated in Jesus and everything that Jesus did. So um, it's probably appropriate to look at the example of Jesus and the power of kindness to change lives and to change our culture. So um, Seth actually got a video. Now this is, I love this, this is a 50-year-old movie, right? It's the old Jesus of Nazareth film. I still love it. I love the scenes out of it. But um, So we're going to look at a little three-minute clip here of a pretty familiar um, passage, a pretty familiar story of Jesus um, demonstrating kindness in the circumstances of that. So, Seth, is that going to work for us? 
Neither do I condemn you. Go. And sin no more. So, um, love that familiar story, and um, recognize that uh, a lot of texts and notes will say that maybe that story isn't in the original Gospels, that it was added later, but it's still a really significant story, isn't it? And love the power of it. Um, Some stuff I read one time, uh, kind of Jewish rabbis' understanding of that story is that Jesus... um, had, had the woman caught in adultery and the guys coming with the rocks and that Jesus, like I love in the video where he just kind of sits there and minds his own business, doesn't seem overly concerned, right? Like he knows what he's going to do, but he's just kind of do-to-do, right? Writing in the dirt. But that it says um, from some of these uh, Jewish rabbi writings, they, they interpret that Jesus from the language um, positioned himself physically between the rocks and the woman. that he he entered into that space and came between, right? And then he ends up saying something to the rock throwers, which causes them to drop rocks and leave. And then he says something to the woman. He says two things to her, 
What does he say? What's the first thing that he says to her? I do not condemn you. And then it's almost an oh, by the way, it feels like. You know, it's not the first word to her. It's the, in light of the fact that I don't condemn you and have demonstrated kindness and entered into your situation, in response to that, by the way, go and, yeah, now don't, don't sin anymore. So, again, at this point, if you feel like, oh, Scott, are you saying we're judgmental and, and condemning? I'm not saying that's what we are, but I am saying that is what the world feels from the church, from the Christian community, in general, in our society. You with me? And that, that feeling has closed much of our culture, and especially young people, off to the power of this really good news. So Jesus comes in between, and he says two things to her, but the first thing he says is, neither do I condemn you. Remember, that's a pretty strong theme in the Scripture. John 3, 16, 17, right? God so loved the world that he sent his Son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Next verse. I haven't come into the world to condemn the world, says Jesus, but that the world through me can be saved, right? Paul continues to write later in Romans, Romans 8, 1, right? Um, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, You say, well, you know, unbelievers are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it might get a little semantic at some point. I mean, there's a sense in which we're all in Christ because we're in the world. Everything is in him. I understand they don't know him yet. I want to suggest to you that there is a lot of people that you and I run into every day, people we know, people we don't know that we run into every day, that God knows. That God knows. They may not even call themselves Christians and have come to a point of repentance and faith yet, but God knows them. Do you buy that? You agree that God knows them? Maybe it's just a timing issue, right? I've changed my language over the years to where I don't really talk about believers and unbelievers a whole lot anymore. Um, The term that I've come up with is not yet believers. And that changes how I interact with people, right? Because if I view you as a heathen or unbeliever. Now, that, now, that's language that is in the Bible. I understand that's used at times, but we really need to look at the story. We do such a good job, oftentimes in the church, of reading verses where we don't get the story. In the story, the story from Genesis to Revelation is the overarching kindness of God. Much of the um, pushback from the world is when people look at the Bible like, God seems angry, right? Um, judgment, punishment things like that. And that's that's all in there, right? But the overarching story is justice and kindness, mercy, compassion, the overwhelming depth of God, the riches of God's kindness, right? So um, how do we move into that? And for most people, even in the church, we feel a little, um, I don't know if unworthy is the word I would use, but just not qualified is maybe the word I would use. We, we don't, a lot of times we don't feel qualified to really make differences in our environment and our culture because we're not spiritual enough. We're not obedient enough. We don't pray enough. We're just, we're just, we're just us. That, that's okay, right? That's probably a really good word in the church. At some point, 
The family of God needs to be okay just looking at each other and going, it's okay to just be us. You with me? We don't have to be super spiritual. We don't have to be super saints. We don't have to be, you know why? Because Jesus is all those things. It's his gift. It's his dwelling in us. He's literally in us, and, it's, and he's changing us, and he's moving us. He's growing us for sure. But what if we just get to be us? And what if he's actually equipped us with something that can change the world? And what if it's not deep theological understanding? What if it's not doctrinal argument? What if it's nothing more than just simply demonstrating the kindness of God to our culture? Because we live in a time when that's not being demonstrated on a big level. Okay? So how do we do that? Let me just throw some things out at you here. Um, First of all, I think Jesus obviously recognized that um, kindness and condemnation have different effects. We, We do understand that uh, Jesus spoke condemnation, but generally that was to who? The religious jerks, right? Um, I saw, I'm not on Facebook a lot, but at our church we're looking for additional pastoral leadership, and um, one of the guys that was a candidate just had a, a little post on his Facebook thing. I was looking at him, I was stalking him on Facebook because I don't know anything about him. And he just had a slide that said, sometimes the most effective thing you can do as a Christian, or the most effective thing you can do um, to witness to somebody is when they find out you're a Christian, just don't be a jerk. (laughs) Uh, That's deep. That's profound. So the kindness of God, right? It's been said, be kind to everyone because everyone you meet is facing a great battle. Kindness opens people up to conversation. Condemnation cuts off dialogue and closes ears and hearts. Right? Some of us know that with our own family and our children. Kindness opens people up to new perspectives. Condemnation makes people defensive and reject your ideas. Kindness opens people up to relationship. Condemnation keeps people isolated and out of your life. It's interesting, really, if you think about it, because um, you know, the Scripture describes Satan and, and kind of his techniques and strategies, and it describes him as the accuser of the brethren, that Satan is the one that condemns people, right? See, when, when God speaks truth and judgment, it always leads people to repentance because it comes through kindness, right? The enemy always brings judgment, condemnation, and it closes people off. That's probably part of his strategy. So I would actually suggest to you that kindness is a, a, a deep spiritual activity and, and, and weapon, if you, if you want to use spiritual warfare language. That kindness may actually loosen people from spiritual bondage, from hurt, from pain, from loneliness, from despair, from lack of hope, depression, fear, anxiety. And it's stuff we rub shoulders with every day, no matter where we go. Right? You agree? The barriers to us operating in kindness and making that kind of our default, okay? We've kind of been unwittingly trained as Christians that that's not our default, obviously. Like, it's not okay to be kind to people that don't know Jesus. It's not okay to be kind to people that are living in sinful lifestyles or practicing things that are, are, I mean, they're actually against God, but we can't be kind to them. And I want to say to you, that's probably not true. 
Again here, Jesus in this story, part of what is going on is Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says this, he, he knew what was in people's hearts. He saw past the surface into what was going on deep in people around him, right? So he looked at this woman caught in a sinful act and lifestyle, probably, and I, I love the way it's portrayed in this particular video, you can tell this woman is just broken and hurt and scared, probably being abused, right? Here's my word to you. I don't condemn you, right? And right away, what does that do to her? Her eyes that have been down the whole time, what do her eyes do? She looks up, looks at Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, significant things happen, right? I don't condemn you. Where are your accusers? They're gone. I look. Unsaid in the video, but everything that that woman needs, love, grace, compassion, mercy, even though it's not spoken, it's spoken, right? Just in that look from Jesus. And then he's able to say to her, so go and don't sin anymore. Some of the barriers, I think, for us living that way, making that our default, operating in kindness, is our own hurt and pain. Again, the fact that even though we're believers, we're still living. I mean, we're not going to be delivered from our own sin and messed upness until we're delivered from this body. Agreed? Right? It's a lifelong thing. So our own hurt and pain, our own prejudice and bias are barriers to us operating in kindness. Our own lack of knowing God's kindness, love, grace, and freedom in our own experience is a barrier to that. Our capacity for making an impact on people for the kingdom, this is kind of a summary of what I said, has less to do with our skill, theological knowledge, doctrinal understanding, and more to do with our willingness to engage people on God's behalf. When we don't engage people with love, kindness, and grace, it is because we don't actually understand the nature and personality of God as revealed in the Bible, what we've looked at. It is the presence of Christ in us and through us that literally... That kindness leads people to repentance and changes our culture. So real quick, I want to give you a few um, thoughts on how to do this, okay? Um, actually, I'd like, to ta- I'd like you to take one minute and just do this. Turn to somebody, like, grab like four people, and very quickly sh- share this. Just think real quick. When's the last time you experienced kindness from a person? Somebody showed you kindness, you got one minute, turn to somebody and just tell them, when's the last time somebody showed you kindness? It's okay. You can talk to somebody next to you, even if you don't like them. It's fine. Okay, I'm going to ask you a second question. That's good. I got you talking. If you let people talk, they'll just go all day, right? Um, So with the same people, now just um, ask the opposite of that. When's the last time you experienced um, somebody that was really unkind to you? Is there a thought of that? You got like 30 seconds. Just share that. And don't name names because they might be sitting behind you, Okay. (laughs) 
What about the last time somebody was unkind? You experienced unkindness. You got a lot of them, it sounds like. Okay, so which, which is easier to bring to mind? Which, which did you think of quickest and first? Kindness or unkindness? Kindness. kindness? Okay. So kindness sticks out to you more, although I'm sure that unkindness, like unkindness sticks with me longer, I think. Okay. Unkindness definitely impacts us. Mostly it just makes me mad. Okay. But kindness actually sticks with us. It does something. So here's the deal, right? No matter, no, no matter what we feel is our lack, everyone has the capacity for kindness. And if God has taken up residence in you by his Holy Spirit, he has actually equipped us with something. And, it, and it's kindness, the capacity for kindness. So I think just in a really practical way that the first act of kindness is just to notice. It's just to notice. So sometimes the hardest thing, place to do that is in family, I think, or people close to you, but to notice. And then wherever we travel, like I don't know what your schedule is today. I don't know where you're going. It's Sunday. I guess we get to probably hang out with family and rest, but um, some of us will go to the beach. I don't know if you go to the store on Sunday. A lot of days I go to the store restaurant, job, school, right? Where do you go? We go places. A lot of days we go to places with people we know. Every day we go into public places with people we don't know, but we just don't notice. So I think the first act of kindness is to notice. This is what God did, right? When he demonstrated his kindness, the scripture says he noticed that we had need. He noticed it. And I love there's a place in Isaiah where God says, I looked, and I'm, I'm very loosely paraphrasing, right? God says, I looked and saw that my people had need, they were in trouble. And I looked around to say, who, who can bring him salvation? And I found nobody. So basically, it's, God says, I, I rolled up my sleeve and bared my arm, which is kind of a warrior analogy. He says, I'll do it. I'm noticing the need, and I'll, I'll act on it, right? I'll come in flesh. So to notice... Um, So what I want you to think about today, and maybe this week, is just wherever you go, to notice. Now, sometimes that means, especially for young people, put down your phone when you're in a place where you don't know anybody. Get off your phone. Just set it down for a few minutes. Whatever your agenda is, whatever your preoccupation is, whatever the thing is you're thinking about in that place you're at that you have to get done, it'll get done. You'll get the groceries. You'll fulfill a doctor's appointment, you'll, you'll see the game, whatever it is, but just notice. Just look around at people. Occasionally, God in you will just go, that person, that person, and just watch that person, just notice. And occasionally, you'll have an opportunity to engage someone just in the very profound art of conversation, right? So I would say the second action of kindness is, um, I don't think it's talking, I think it's actually listening. It's notice and listen. So I will tell you that my lifetime experience, and again, I already said, I, I probably preach this better than I practice it, I'm aware of that. 
but to notice people and just listen. Um, I've often on in my life been able to um, go into the jails with guys, right? Volunteer to go see guys that are hanging out in the jails or inmates and stuff. And um, I always go in with guys that have an agenda. I don't know, is that, is that me? That's bugging me. I don't know if it's bugging anybody else. Any suggestions? All right. Um, sure. Going into places where people always have agenda to speak, right? So a jail, for example. Yeah, we go. So a jail, for example, and they know that guys are going in, you know, let's do a Bible study. Let me tell you things about Jesus. Let me get you converted and have you say a prayer with me. And I was just convicted early on, early on, a while ago in my life, to go in and just um, listen. So we talked to guys and just tell me your story. What's going on? How you doing? What's up? And it's amazing how listening, like, Everybody wants to tell you their story a little bit. Now, I understand you're in a place where people don't want to talk about it, but just to notice people and, hey, what's your dog's name? Oh, how many kids you got? Or in jail, what, what's your story? You guys want to tell you a story. And if you listen to somebody's story, I will tell you this. If you listen to somebody's story, especially someone who is hurting, fearful, anxious, struggling, depressed, if you listen you can say anything to anybody. Do you know that? I mean, it was 100% of my experience is in listening to somebody at the end of hearing their story, and if anybody ever shares, here's what I'm dealing with, here's what I'm struggling with, here's what is going on in my life, I can say anything to them after that. A lot of times it would just look as simply as, thanks for telling me that. Would it be okay if I told you something that I think might be important to you? Or oftentimes I would just say, would it be okay if I told you something I think maybe God wants to say to you? And it's amazing how people just go, yeah. Because you were kind to me. And you demonstrated your kindness in noticing me and listening to me. So a lot of times we feel like we don't have the capacity to fix people's problems for them, but we all have the capacity for kindness and to notice, and to listen. Now, what I would suggest is when opportunity allows itself to, I mean, you can go beyond that. And again, where Jesus positions himself between a threat and a person, there's places where we can position ourselves between threats and people. It's not always threats of physical violence. A lot of people, it's financial. A lot of people, it's worry and stress. A lot of people, it's relational, right? I'm really struggling marriage-wise with my parents, with my kids. With How do you kind of just say, I'll enter into this with you. I'll position myself between you and the threat. And then what does that look like? And sometimes that just means um, I'll, I'll help stand in the middle and get somebody to drop their rocks. I'll help. You don't know how you're going to pay stuff? We took an offering today, right? We share our resources so that as a community we can be kind to people. I understand there's challenges to that, and there's, you know, how do you be responsible with that and whatnot, but there's something to actually getting in, in between people in their, in their struggles, okay? Um, a lot of times, I, a thing that I do that I think anybody can do pretty easily is, if you ever meet somebody or get in conversation with somebody, 
And look for opportunities to do that. You don't don't force it. Don't ever for don't 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 leave today feeling like oh, it's like the airplane thing, right? I sit on the on an airplane next to somebody, and now it's my job for the next three hours to evangelize them, and just how awkward and uncomfortable that feels. Because there's agenda attached to it. I can't just interact with that person as a human being now. I have to, you know, I have a goal. I become a salesman. That's 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 why a lot of us are uncomfortable with the idea of evangelism. But what if we can just share kindness and watch what God does? That's di- see how that can be different, right? And we all have that capacity. I'm thinking about a, a while back we uh, we went through some uh, lower income housing in our community outside of Holland, and um, somebody in our church had just felt a burden for people, and he just gave us um, hundred dollar bills, and said, "As you go see people, just give them hundred dollar bills." But that's pretty cool. By the way, really effective advertising. I suggest to you, if, if all the money, although I don't know if churches do it a whole lot anymore, all the money we spend on advertising or what we used to do in yellow pages and stuff so people will come to our church and billboards, I don't know how effective it is. What if we just gave out $100 bills? If I gave you a $100 bill and say, um, for this $100, uh, you got to have a half-hour conversation with me, that would be really effective work. Anyway, so we got to go give out $100 bills because somebody else paid for it, so I was very generous with these $100 bills. <laughs> After we had gone through the trailer park, um, I realized that I still had $200 bills left because we didn't get to place. I, and I carried it around for a couple weeks, very aware in my head of like, I'm going to have an excuse to give away these $100 bills. So I was in Myers on 16th Street. That's where we used to live. I was in Myers like every other day. There's two guys sitting on the bench outside. You know, it was early in the morning. They were in the, on the bench in the entryway. And you could tell they were just like, had backpacks. So I said hi to them. Went in. It's one of those situations that y- y'all get occasion where God's going, pay attention to them. Pay attention to them. Yeah, but I got to get bananas and, and donuts. So I, so I left, and I, I was being really really generous and kind because I bought an extra donut and banana for each of them. Whoa. Big sacrifice, right? So I left. They were still there. Hey, just here's a donut and banana. Have a good day, guys. I left. Got in my car, quarter mile down the road, and God's just still going. And I hate that because I like, I, you know, that's just always annoying when God does that, right? Occasionally he does that to you. So, and I... I hate interrupting my travels. It's hard for me to notice anybody when I'm en route. But doggone it, I turned around and went back. It was kind of embarrassing at this point because it's the third time I've walked by these guys and they're still in there. And I just like, I mean, I was just being an idiot. I was like, hey, uh, I don't want to sound weird, but um, I, think, I think God wanted me to come back and just encourage you guys. I don't know if that sounds weird to you. And they looked up. They talked to me. I said, where are, you, where are you from? They're not from here. You know, we're kind of homeless, wandering through kind of thing. Yeah, we might check out the mission. Oh, good. Yeah, I know some guys. I'm going to go and go. Um, avoid Steve Rusticus if you're down there, but, you know, I told him this. And uh, so we just talked. And so, anyway, all that was to say what I, what I do a lot, and I, I would just suggest it's really easy. Just remind people that God has his hand on them. Simple to do, especially if people share stuff. Or if, if, or sometimes kindness is just, hey, have a great day, love you, bless you. You know, people know. 
They, 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 they may not identify you as a, you know, hey, that guy must be a Christian, but there's something about it. It's just, just that. But then in the engagement, I just, I just want you to know I can't fix all your problems. Guarantee I can't fix all your problems. And you can't fix mine. They're big. But God has his, I want to remind you that God has his hand on you. And it's amazing that, that people almost universally will look up and go, thank you. I know that. I believe that. I need to be reminded of that. Nobody's ever told me that before, but I, I bet that's true. I mean, that just, that's evangelism, man. That's testimony. It's opening people up. It's kindness opening people up, moving them off judgment and condemnation. So that God, because God's in this. That's part of what you've got to know, right? We don't have to get the end result because God has never failed ever in bringing someone to himself. You're aware of this, right? Okay. God doesn't need us for closing deals. God just allows us to participate with them. Anyway, after all that conversation, I got to give these guys each 100 bucks. It was pretty sweet, right? Because it wasn't mine. <laughs> I was giving. But God reminded me down there, hey, you got 200 bucks in your thing. You've been carrying around for two weeks, you idiot. You're looking for, I don't know if God said idiot to me or not, but, you know. But notice, listen, engage, okay? If someone engages you with a word or a look, just engage it. If you find out need or hear story, and it's appropriate to position yourself. So I've met a lot of people at times, and it's sometimes it's just a really short, might be, I know somebody for a week, but you can position yourself on their behalf. That's the beauty of community. We get to do that together. But all of that to say, because of time, is that we've been equipped with something. We're all capable of kindness. And kindness, it's not, it's a deep, spiritual, theological reality that God is kind and just says to us now, by the example of Jesus and the community of believers, we get to go, not just with each other, but out of this place and wherever we go, we get to literally exude the kindness of God to a community, to a culture, to an environment, to a world. Knowing that kindness has the power to actually change hearts, to actually turn people. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. I'll bet you can list a dozen people without me snapping my fingers five times that you know in life that go, they need, they need to repent. Well, show them God's kindness. See how that works. And in our culture, maybe if what the culture felt from the church was not judgment and condemnation, but the overwhelming kindness of God then our culture, our society would have a different response to this too good of news. Does that make sense? You with me? Do you buy that? Is that encouraging? So when we think about a week ago, shooters going into places with guns and bullets to take life, I want to just tell you today that God has weaponized us with kindness. In every place we go, think, think about that. You know, we keep seeing that story. Somebody has to premeditate and think about, I'm going into a Walmart or a public arena for the purpose of taking life and destroying families and human beings. What if we premeditate kindness wherever we go? 
enact it out, see what it looks like. So anyway, we could talk about that for hours. That's probably plenty. Let's be done. Um, let's, uh, let's just pray this really simply and reflect on it. So God, um, thank you that you're kind. We acknowledge that. Um, Lord, in, in a moment of silence, would you make us aware of the overwhelming riches of your kindness to us right now? And I'm just going to ask you to take 30 seconds, a minute, and just feel that in your soul while the band comes up. That you would hear God and feel God speak kindness to you. And I'll just invite you, can, can we resolve to leave this place today with a, with a different awareness? And just say, God, show me where to pour out kindness and help me learn what that looks like. Um, I'll leave you with this. This is just uh, the scripture I'll do. Um... <laughs> At one time, we were spiritually dead, but Christ has made us alive. We were dead and separated from Him because of our transgressions and sin in which we once walked. We were following ways of this world, influenced by this present age. We walked in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now still at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, those who fight against the purposes of God. At one time we lived in this way, indulging the desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit, We indulged the impulses of our sinful mind. We were children under the sentence of God's wrath. But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. It's by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy that we have been saved from God's judgment. He has raised us up together with him. He has seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. And he did this so that in the ages to come he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ. It's by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor and kindness drawing us to Christ that we have been saved. We've actually been delivered from all judgment and condemnation. We have been given eternal life through faith. This is salvation. It's not of ourselves. It's not through our effort. It's undeserved, gracious gift of God. It's not a result of our works or our attempts to keep anything right. It's the will of him who has saved us alone. Thanks be to Jesus. Amen?
All right, bless you today.